You're listening to The Prime Podcast, the young adult culture of abundant living faith setting with Cruz Ramirez and Mark McGaffin. My people, prime people, welcome back to season three. It has been way too long. Of The Prime Culture, culture pod, let's go. Podcast. It's hey. been way too long. I feel like we haven't talked in years. We don't even talk anymore, man. We don't even know what we're fighting about, It was about, the Mark. summer of 2002, <laughs> and everything made sense. <laughs> we, we were happy here. and free and didn't even know it. Uh, no, we're come here. On, season man. three. It couldn't have come soon enough, but we haven't been here in so long. I just yeah. need to know, how have you been spending your summer? It's, it's already over now, but just give everyone a little peek into your life, Pastor Cruz. Hey, I've essentially become a hermit, and so <laughs> it's the best thing. It's the best thing. Um, have, I've seen the sun maybe about four times this year. It's good. Um, just stayed indoors, man. Um, no, I miss the movies. I miss going to the movies. I miss going to restaurants. Yeah. I miss feeling like um, I'm happy and free, but I'm grateful, man. I'm grateful for health. Our families are good. good. Our friends and our loved ones are doing well. Thank you, Jesus. And so, yeah, man. Happy to be back, though. I've missed the, the podcast. Me too. Um, just a lot, happy a lot to be of people have been asking man. about it. And, you know, like for me, I, I've, I've spent the last three months really different. And I haven't told a lot of people this, but I just finished writing my first book about two weeks ago. And it's, uh, yeah, like right when the kids started school. And it's really awesome. I, I don't know when I'm going to release it, but it's called Relearn. And so what I do is on every chapter, um, I'm helping people relearn everything they learned in school so they can teach it to their kids. <laughs> so the first chapter is uh, learning common core math. Oh, hey, listen. They it's changed, riveting. They changed math on us. Yeah. It's yeah, in a square man. now. I almost had a nervous breakdown two weeks ago. The first two days, my kids were back at school remote learning, and I just, I just walked out. <laughs> like legitimately yeah. for 30 yeah, minutes, I just said, just absolutely. email your teacher. Dad doesn't know anything. <laughs> I told, I told <laughs> I Chloe, I told Chloe, Hey, go, go Google <laughs> feral. And, it's, and we're, we're all going feral. We're going to be a feral family. Oh we're just going to go off the man. grid, go wild, man. Who would, who would have thought we'd oh, be geez. here, but we're all doing well and we could not be any more excited to be back right here. Season absolutely. three, it's more time. fight left. And we have a lot of great stuff coming up for you right here on the Prime Culture Podcast. Absolutely. So Friday is always Prime Day. Yep. And so make sure you turn on notifications, subscribe, share it on Instagram, Twitter, MySpace, whatever you're rocking. We want you to let people know about it. We've got some great stuff coming. We're coming super excited about the content. Season three content is going to be absolutely spectacular. Here's what I'm excited for. I'm excited for that we're going to, that we're going to finish the year stronger, better, wiser. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's what we're believing for. That's what season three is all about. There is more fight left. We're not just going to go to 2021 pat with passivity and just kind of like just laying down in fetal position, hoping it's over. We're going to lean in. We're going to push back. We're going to resist and we're going to watch what God does. Right. And Absolutely. so with all that said, man, we're starting strong. Episode, yeah. one, Episode one today is going to be awesome. Here we go. Here we go. We have 100 days left in the year. Right really? about Is 100, 100 days. I'm just guesstimating. Right about, <laughs> about 100 days. And uh, today, you know, we're going we're gonna to come at you every Friday with Prime Culture Podcast. This is a very first for us. We're having our first time guest. Yeah. Our, one of our lead pastors, Pastor Shannon Neiman. Come in on. The studio, the legit studio. In the room with, we're the in a real, real studio. studio. Yeah. We had to be, we'd have, we had to have a real studio for Pastor Shannon. Yeah, we had to. Right, like no we closets. couldn't slum it. We couldn't yeah. slum it. We couldn't slum it. We had to come into a real studio. Pastor Shannon, thanks for being with us. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. We're what an so, honor. We're so excited. First time on the podcast. First time. Oh man, but it was long overdue. Long overdue. Let us know, what has your summer been like? How have you been spending 
the last three, I mean, with your kids, your family, what's been going on over at Pastor Shannon's house? Um, you know what? My summer has been like something I never, ever, ever, ever imagined. Yeah. Um, I'm not a home person at all, and I have never spent time at home, <laughs> and I've spent more time there than I could have ever dreamed of. But you know what? All that being said, um, like Cruz said, I'm happy. I'm healthy. My kids are healthy. My family's Amen. healthy. Um, and what more can we ask for, right? God right. has been so good to us. Um, and to be honest with you, uh, this forced, paused, and change has been a blessing in yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah, I love a lot of ways. That. I agree. I agree. I I didn't think being home would be so enjoyable. Yeah. I heard you say recently that you enjoy being out. Love right, it. and that's you. You take your kids on adventures. Yeah. I think you. I, I honestly do believe you're the queen of like the adventure, uh, right? Sweet. Like it all. It always seems like it's always an adventure. It's always a quest with Shannon Newman. Yeah, right? you know, I always want my kids to have a ton of fun. That's awesome. I, I think my kids that's live. Awesome. Um, they they come along for my life, and my life has involves a lot, as you know. Um, a lot of work, a lot of time, and they got to be there for that. And so I think when it's their time, they need to have the best adventure oh, they can I possibly love it. have. So. I love it. I love that. Yeah. You know, 2020 has been, um, I don't think any of us really signed up for this, you know, this year. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> not. <laughs> We're like living in a movie. Um, I, you know, there was uh, rumors of spa uh, spaceships in Bro, July. I feel like Nicolas Cage needs to go hurry up and show up and save the world. Is Where at? is Nicolas Cage We're right now? For you Nick to Cage, if you're listening to the Prime Culture Podcast, Podcast. We're waiting for you. I read a, a meme and it said that where were the reason this is also happening is because there were no youth camps. They couldn't have the bonfire. They write their right they write their prayer request so down. We need someone have a youth camp stat or at least a bonfire in your backyard. Write Corona yeah, on a piece of paper and throw it in a bonfire. That'll work. We need it to happen. That'll you know, work. And, and on top, so this is what like I think is so interesting because every year brings its own challenge, but this year yeah, just sure. seems like it's been challenge after sure. challenge after challenge sure. from from the pandemic we have the economic sudden downturn we have a uh, civil rights it's been so interesting to see you know our pastors leading through this time what are some of the things that you've noticed that have maybe um, blessed you like the church's response the uh, body of Christ response during this time maybe it's the pandemic maybe it's the um, economy or perhaps even the civil rights what have just really blessed you as a leader to see the body of Christ like step up and do something you know, um, Mark, when you were talking, I was thinking about something and, and, you know, growing up in church, you're a pastor's kid. So we always heard this phrase, like you have to practice what you preach. Mm. Right. And so right. I think mm. like the pandemic has put the church on display and we have been practicing what we've been preaching. Yeah. And so it's been so incredible to watch the church step up to literally, I think probably my favorite thing that I've seen here at our own church, but also around the world is just watching the church really be the hands and feet of Jesus, right? I mean, the church, I mean, all over the world, it's feeding people, it's clothing people, it's helping people, it's paying people's rents, it's going to their homes, it's helping the people that can't get out. It's really just been like, all the rules are out the door, let's just do whatever we need to do yeah. to help people. And to me, um, I mean, I've loved that. I've loved to see it. And I think that, you know, the church has always done a lot of that, but to see the mass engagement and to see the immediate response, I really don't think there's any other organization on the planet who could like from a Monday to a Friday, all of a sudden feed thousands of people. Yeah. And it's just the response of the ownership of the people. And I think that that's what's really blessed me to see people that have been pastored in our church and in other churches really step up and do everything that they were pastored to do, right? They're practicing what 
they were taught. To see the church continue to give, I mean, my goodness, I remember at the beginning of the pandemic just going, wow, okay, you know? But to watch people be in their own homes and be watching the news and to be facing struggle and to go, you know what, but that's my church and I own the church and that's who I'm connected to and because I've taken ownership of it, I'm going to continue to support it and I'm going to be a part of it and, uh, you know, make a difference. And I think the the reality is, is it's a great testament to the fact that the church has taught people well, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's taught people well. Because you can't come into a pandemic and all of a sudden start teaching and expect mm. people to, to have known that. So yeah. the church mm. has taught people well. And so there's millions of people, maybe even billions, I don't know, all over the world that, you know, have been taught and have been practicing what they were taught. So yeah, something I'm, that I'm, I'm really grateful for, um, speaking a little more on the um, granular, granular level here with us and our team, something that I'm really grateful for um, that you, your brother, Jared and Pastor Charles, your dad, um, like, I think we all felt kind of like the boat shake a little bit, right? Like we felt like, whoa, okay. Um, but there was never a moment where the three of you, as you were leading us as a team and us as a church, um, where there, there was a freak out, right? It was always this really strong, even kilter. First, it started off with, we're going to be okay. Right. And then a couple of weeks later, after the, the, the proverbial smoke settled, it became now we're going to do something. You know, we're not just going to lean into passivity. Um, we're going to be that church. Right. Um, which is something that Pastor Charles has always said. Right. We're going to be that church um, and something that I that I appreciate. And hopefully this isn't melodramatic, but when we were doing when we first started our food giveaway that we've been doing pretty much every weekend. Um, since p- the quarantine and pandemic started, um, it f- to me I likened it to when um, when it, in World War II when America got into World War II, right? Um, the response of, of a lot of the public was like, no, like I may not have a job right now, but I'm going to go into a factory and become a riveter. I'm going to be someone who's just going to start building and putting my putting leaving my imprints on the on the effort, right? And I really felt that way. I felt stirred in my leadership in my. Um, in my commitment to make a difference, I was never allowed as part of this team and part of this community, I wasn't allowed to get pulled into this fear, right? Because we consistently had this wind in ourselves that came from your leadership of, no, we're going to move forward. And not only we're going to move forward, we're going to pull people forward and we're going to be a blessing even through this, right? And so I think that um, I just want to say thank you, right? For, for all of us. That. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, th- I think I, you touched on something so important, Cruz, when you said that we're going to keep moving forward. And I would say that if there's one thing that I so appreciate about growing up under my mom and dad's leadership is just that very simple concept that, and, and I say this a lot when I'm speaking because it means so much to me. Um, life with God never takes you back. It always mm. takes oh, you so forward. Good. You know, and, yeah. and it's such a simple statement, but it is a thousand percent something that you always have to come back to, that the God kind of life, the John 10, 10 life, which we preach at our church, the life that Jesus came to give you, it's always, always going to take you forward. So even in a position of pandemic, we can't look back. We have to be looking forward. There's this great verse in the Passion Translation. And we all know the verse where Paul is talking. He says, put those things behind me. Press forward to the mark in front of me. In the Passion, it says, fasten your heart mm. to the future. Yeah. 
And I think it's just such an incredible picture, right, of every part of your life. If you really understand it and you take it down to like this practical application, then it kind of throws everything that society or culture tells you down the drain. It tells me that, you know, in my 30s and in my 40s, my life should get better. It should not be getting, you know, starting to go downhill. Right. In my 50s and my 60s, it should be progressing, right? Because everything about this life with God is moving forward. And to me, you know, that that is fundamentally how we lead this church. That's why no matter where we're at, no matter what gets thrown at us, we have to have that forward perspective. And I think it's so important, even for people that are listening, you know, it's a leadership perspective, but it's a it's a very intimate perspective in your relationship with God that as you struggle, as you walk through life, and you try to decipher or understand what it is God is calling to you to or what decision or what choice or whatever, it's really just like, is this choice taking me forward or is it not? Because if it's not taking me forward, then it's 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 off the table because it doesn't align with the life that God has for me because everything mm. about life with God is forward yeah. moving, right? So I don't think it's ever going to pause or take you back. It's always just going to keep moving forward. And so you may have to adapt what the forward look like, which is what we had to do in this season, right? Wow. But that adaptation, I really believe, and in fact, Jared and my dad and I had this conversation, um, this has been a, an interesting time, and there's a lot of question. Um, there's a lot of things, right, that you, if you don't have the right heart perspective, then you can go, wait a second, we worked so hard for so long yeah, to build sure. this. Yeah. Yeah. And when are we going to get back to that? I don't know. But I believe with all of my heart that coming out of this season, that our church is better than it's ever been. Mm. I agree. That our reach is greater than it's ever been. That our value is, it's just been immensely increased, almost in a supernatural way. Um, and I think that our relevance inside our community has been increased. And, and that's because of that very simple concept of, mm. hey, wait a second. We just have to keep moving forward, right? So I think moments of high stress reveal your real metal, right? Um, and something that I appreciate and gives me pride of ownership and pride of belonging to our team and to our church and uh, to the leadership of you and your family, really, is that during this whole time of crisis, our church, our our culture, who we are, has been shining brightly, right? Um, one of the things that, as you were saying about even Zoom, right? Um, I think that a lot of places were defending why they couldn't do anything, right? And our core was, our core has consistently been before crisis and moving forward beyond this is like, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do it better? How are we going to do it on a broader, in a broader way? How are we going to involve more people? How are we going to make more impact? And I love that we're on the right side of the story um, when it's all said and done that um, 2020 forced so many people and so many organizations, so many initiatives, et cetera, to change on a dime, right? Some for the worse unfortunately. Um, but in our story, and I really believe it was because of years and years and years of, like you said, great teaching. We had it in us. We weren't trying to scramble to get it in us. We had it in us and we were able to, to pivot on a dime, right? We, we went from the, the, the context of, you know, we might be, you know, doing some remote officing in the next couple of years, two or three years to like from one weekend to the next, we're all working from home. Right. right? And rather than shut down and be crippled as an organization for four weeks, 
we there was biz, there was continuity because we just had it in our DNA that we're going to figure this out. We're just going to go forward, right? Um, and as you're listening to this, I really want you to like latch onto that, right? Because um, you can't you can't control the wind, but you can adjust your sails, and you can be the kind of person who says, regardless of the environment I'm in, I'm in it, right? And if I'm in it there's something that I'm going to have a say to. Um, there's, a, there's a statement that I absolutely love that Beethoven makes made when he started losing his hearing um, and people were just dismissing him. And uh, he still hadn't written his, his most prodigious works yet. Um, and they were saying, man, you're, you're so ill-fated was one of the big statements about him. And he, he, he made this statement. He said, fate will not have its way with me. I, I will take it by the throat and bend it to my will, wow. right? It's beautiful, right? And so I think that even, even in this season right now, you guys, as you're listening to this, that, um, you know, we, the truth is this, we don't require the perfect circumstances. You're, we were talking about this before we started recording. You don't have to require the perfect circ- circumstances to be a person of good consequence, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the truth is, if you require the perfect environment to be who you think you are, you may not be who you think you are, yeah. right? Um, but the truth is that you belong to a community, right? And you're, you're, you're part of leadership that says, okay, it may not be perfect, but even imperfect steps forward, shout out Craig Rochelle, even imperfect steps forward are still progress. And we're going to pursue progress, right? Uh, we're going to, we're going to pursue passion and purpose over perfection. That's some of our culture code, right? So well said. A thousand percent. And what you're saying goes right back to what I was saying a minute ago. If I really believe that God, Jesus came to give me the God kind of life, the abundant life, then I have to believe that regardless of circumstance, my life can move forward if I choose to move it forward, if I choose to align with that. So I think that's so important. And I, I, to be honest with you, I really wish I had had that perspective when I was 20 years old that um, my life didn't depend on all these things aligning for me or all these things coming together for me or someone making a way for me. It really just depended on one thing, that I fastened my heart to the future that God had for me and that I just trust in the fact that as long as I'm aligned with that God kind of life, my life will continue to move forward. It's amazing, you know, the statement that everyone knows it. It's like hindsight is 2020, but it's so true. Like you look back and you go, oh, okay, right? The thing that frustrated you the most, come on, you had no idea that it had such come a pivotal on. you know, th- deal and application to where God was taking you. Yeah. And if you could just learn to live and just say, I choose not to get frustrated by this circumstance. Instead, I'm going to fasten my heart to what I believe is in my future. And I'm going to keep walking forward. Then, like you said, even the imperfect step is taking me towards the progress that God has for me. So I think that's so important. I love that statement. I'm going to fasten my heart to my future, right? I'm going to fasten my emotions, my thoughts, and my decision making to my future. I think that that is the biggest struggle that I had as a young person, oh, let's go. as Come a on. leader, is that my heart looking back was a thousand percent fastened to my emotions. Mm. And I knew the word, but my mm. heart, I mean, there's a difference here, right? My heart was fastened to my emotions. My heart was fastened to what I saw, fastened to what I saw. And, and my heart was fastened to the immediate and that's wow. what I love about that translation wow. and the passion was 
My heart shouldn't be fastened to my immediate. My heart should be fastened to my future. And and it's it's so incredible from every perspective because in the highest moments where your immediate is spectacular, then it's the constant reminder that God still has more for you, Jesus. right? That God still has better for oh, you. Come on. But in the moment of frustration and challenge and difficulty or where you just seem like nothing makes sense or why am I here? It's the constant reminder that it's not about where I'm at. Sure. It's about where I'm going sure. because God is already in my future. And, and there's an end game here, right? There's an end game in the natural. There's an end game in the spiritual. The end game is, is one day where, you know, we spend an eternity in heaven. Mm-hmm. We, all the answers are there and it's wonderful and fabulous. But, um, you know, that's kind of the given at this point, right? We're really looking for that, you know, for that feeling <laughs> of success, accomplishment, significance, yeah. value right here, you know, in in this natural life. Yeah. And that's the deal is that if I really live from that perspective, then God is always calling me to that place. And so yeah. I think it's it's just such a valuable simple truth. Like I said, I wish I had really like understood that from that perspective when I was younger because I think that I really would have been a lot happier and enjoyed a lot more things, right? Because I wouldn't have been as frustrated. I wouldn't have been as caught up in like, why doesn't this look like where I know God is calling so me or where I believe yeah. God is so calling good. me? I have this dream in my heart. Why am I doing this? So I mean, good. I've told this story so many times. You know the story. When I first came to work here at the church, my mom told me, you're going to do websites. <laughs> I didn't own a computer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, what kind of a joke was that? I'm like... Websites. Websites, mom. I don't... I mean... Shannon, here's an AOL.com CD. You're going to build a website. Uh, Let's go. I mean... So you can imagine... You know, she went and gave me an office, of course, and, like, put me in an office, and I'm like, mom... That's the best. I mean, I, I remember... And this sounds ridiculous, but, I mean, it's just reality. I remember walking in and I was like, Mom, if I'm going to do websites, you're going to have to buy me a computer. She was like, oh, Got okay. It. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> Got it. Hello. <laughs> like, I, I don't know, you know? But obviously, you know, that was a time of great frustration for me. Wow. Um, wow. It was very <clears throat> difficult because inside of me was a lot of creativity, a lot of ideas, a lot of things, and a lot of seed that God had planted in my heart since the time I was a young, young child of where I was going. And then it's like, okay, I did it. I went to college, I graduated, I've done all these things, and now I'm here. And now you look at me and you tell me, no, you're like it wasn't like you're gonna help with like the Bible study or the youth group. It's like you're gonna go do websites. You know, something that like just, Okay, you know, and so they, I guess maybe that's what I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, think- <laughs> I and it's just that, you know, I wish I'd had that perspective, like not to focus on the immediate, or not to allow my heart to get fastened to the immediate. Yeah. You know, to really <clears throat> make sure my heart stayed fastened to the future. Yeah, I love I I love that that statement from Philippians two, right? Is that yeah. in the in the passion translation has emerged, right? To have our to have your heart fastened to the future. You know, one one of the things that we wanted to talk about in our time together today with you was insecurity, yeah. right? And as you were talking, I just felt compelled to look up insecurity, right? And one of the definitions, the fourth definition according to Merriam's is to not be firmly or appropriately fastened. Wow. 
That's interesting. Isn't it interesting, right? So insecurity, it isn't even, isn't, it isn't just born in a capacity thing or an experiential thing, right? Insecurity at times, if we're not careful, can be born in what we lock our emotions, our thinking, and our decision-making to. Oh my gosh, right? Right. Yeah, I, I mean, I think about I think about my twenties and what I fastened um, my my what 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 I fastened identity to, right? What I fastened to for a sense of significance, a sense of belonging, um, a sense of success, right? Like I, you know, consistently in my twenties, I was pursuing more zeros in front of the decimal point, you know, um, and now that I look at it, it was it, it's like man, that there's none of that would have brought me security, you know, on the other side of this. And so, um, looking back, you know, lo lo looking back, um, at your time as a young adult, right? Tw 20 somethings. Um, what were, if, if, if we can ask the question, what were some things that you, that you fastened to that you would tell yourself, Shannon, don't, don't, don't hitch your wagon to that. You know, don't, don't, fa don't fasten that to that as something that would be significant to your future. You know, I think that this might be kind of an odd, um, you know, answer to that question, but it's just very honest. Um, I think that I, I, I mean, you know my parents, so we grew up in a home of extreme, like, it was like you respect certain people, certain things, certain whatever. And I had that respect for so many great leaders around me. Um, I think that that respect in some ways then became a measure of who I was to become. Wow. And it wow. almost got to a place of imbalance in the sense that I skipped the sk step of figuring out who I was wow. and was working wow. so hard to measure up to people that I looked up to so wow. much. And those people are incredible people um, and they are to be looked up to but maybe put too much energy into trying to become like them. When in truth, the Bible says it's your gift in Proverbs yeah. that makes Brilliant. a way for you, right? Brilliant. And I look back at my 20s and I think like, my gosh, I wish as incredible as my mom was, and she was incredible. so incredible. Incredible. Um, I wish that maybe she would have sat with me one day and just said like, you know, let's talk about what your gift is. Wow. Um, and, and to be honest with you, I really wrestled with discovering my gift when my mom passed away. Um, because all of a sudden it was like, <laughs> everybody was comparing me to my mom. Wow. And, um, there's a lot of my mom in me, no doubt. I mean, there's a lot of, of her that I am like, but there's a lot of her that I am not. Wow. Um, and it really created and looking back even in my 20s created a lot of insecurity inside of me because I was working so hard to be like my mom mm. but I'm not wow Shannon I'm just not wow my giftings in there are common giftings between my mom and I but my giftings are not my mom's giftings um and so looking back I kind of had to like have this really honest conversation with inside myself and say, wait a second, like, it's not that I was doing something wrong.
trying to mimic my mother or be like my mother. I wasn't trying to copy her. It was just like out of respect. Like I need to follow this path, right? Um, and and it was a great path that she laid in front of me. But the truth of the matter is, is that I was never going to have great success or fulfill who God created me to be until I really came to this place of like, wait a second, you know, who am I? It's it's actually okay to say, I don't want to do it that way because that's Hold on, not that, me. That right there, that is so freeing. It was I, so, freeing so freeing for me. Cruz, and it was, it was, uh, like I said, I think if I had felt that space, and it's not like someone ever told me I couldn't. I don't want anyone to hear me sure, and go, oh, sure. Rochelle was like, sure, you know, or Charles sure. was like, because that was not the sure. case. It was just something that developed inside of me out of this respect of like, you know, I need to do that. And um, the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, I, like I said, I'm I'm not like her. I'm very different with, than her. And um, sometimes I almost chuckle to myself now because a lot of times when I speak or I do something, people come up to me and they're like, you remind me so much of your mom. And I'm like, thank you so much. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I know I, I don't sound like my mom. I don't preach like my mom. <laughs> I don't. I mean, do this. I? <laughs> I mean, I don't. And, and I take it as a great compliment sure. because to ever be compared to her is... I mean, it, that's everything to me. But like, you know, at the same time, like I have felt so much happier and so much more um, able to function in my calling or even just in who I am as a mother, as a person, as a, you know, in, in really just coming to this place of like, I'm going to be me. I mean, I am nothing as a mother. I'm nothing like my mom. You know, my mom was very rigid. My mom was very like, uh, you know, we just had like the black and white. I, I'm not the black and white mom. I'm just not. That's not my personality. You yeah. know, I'm not the every night we go to bed at eight. We don't even have a bedtime in my house. That's just not who I am. Right. So I'm. I'm it's really been this process of like, <laughs> wait a second. Like, you know, I. I've learned so much from, and it wasn't just my mother, but yeah. from lots of great leaders, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but coming to that place where it was like, wait a second, it's okay that I struggle with this, and maybe I struggle with it because that's not who God created me to be. Maybe I don't struggle in this space because this is who he created me to be, and that's a win also, and that's a good thing, and I can pay a different, you know, pave a different path. And so... Um, you know, I, I think like looking back, I wish like I had seen it from that perspective. Yeah, you know? no, I, I love this because this is the tension that prime culture is living in right now. Right. I think I think that that kind of insecurity. Right. Where it's not just a low self-esteem or I'm broken. Right. Really, it's just I'm not sure. I'm not sure who I want to be. I'm not sure that I want to be what my parents want me to be. And I'm not exactly sure what to what but to fasten myself you to. You just said something that is so, it's all connected. Because a low self-esteem is connected to this. Mm. Because if I'm walking in a mm. space that is not directly connected to my gift, then I'm never going to feel fulfilled Come doing on. it, even if I'm good at it. Okay? I mean, I was one of those overachiever kids, right? So I always did well. It wasn't that. It was just that if I'm walking in a space that isn't who God actually made me to be, then I'm never going to feel good about it. So then as a result, I'm going to then go, why don't I experience wow. that kind of satisfaction, wow. that sense of feeling, <laughs> that sense of purpose, 
doing what I'm watching this person do, you know, and I'm, I'm mimicking and maybe it from the outside, maybe it looks, you know, exactly the way um, it's supposed to look. And maybe everybody's going great job, but inside, you know, to me, it's all connected. You're going to question yourself, which leads to the insecurity, which leads to the low self-esteem, the questions about, you know, why, why am I not, you know, why is this not looking the same internally? Um, and so it really comes back to, I think if I could tell a 20 something year old, some, you know, one thing I would say, just like really get to know you. Like, do you even know you? That's a great, like great at question. all. Like, have you actually peeled back the layers of everything everyone has told you that you are? Yeah. Um, and, and just come back to this place of like, you know, who, who am I? I love this. I, because what do I th- like? This is about fascinating, right? To me, it's like, and when I hear fascinating, when I hear you asking or challenging the culture to say, who are you? Um, a lot of what's going through my head is like, what, what's the story you tell yourself? What does your inner voice sound like? What are the measures that you've made for yourself, right? Um, and... I'd I'd love I'd love to pursue that a little bit, right? From 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 your experience and drawing from the well of your experience, what what are what are some healthy ways to get to know you better? Um, I think it's as simple as sometimes just asking yourself, like, do I actually like this? Wow. Now you you may have just caused a couple of breakups. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, so you may you like for real, there's you, text there you happening go. right now. No, there's a text yeah, happening sorry, right now. I don't really like. I, this. I really don't like this. You may have caused like some degree yeah. plan changes. Right. Right. Which no, you're welcome th- okay, by the way. So that yeah. that just happened. That literally happened to me. So in school when I was growing up, I was super smart at school. It was very easy for me, and I'm not saying that to brag or something. It was just like a school was easy. I never studied. I made straight A's. So. The reality is, is that when I was growing up, if you were smart in school, everyone told you one of two things. Either you're supposed to be a doctor or a lawyer. Mm. Now it's probably you're supposed to be an engineer or whatever. But mm. back then it was, you're supposed to be a doctor or a lawyer. I didn't have a stomach to be a doctor, so I was like, I guess I'm supposed to be a lawyer. Wow. Went to college, did the LSAT, got accepted to top law schools all over the country. Inside, I always knew I wasn't supposed to be a lawyer. Like there was this wrestle inside, I'm like, Wait a second. I'm supposed to be a lawyer, but like I'm supposed I knew I was called wow. to the ministry and I was having this internal battle. Wow. My last year of college, my last semester, um we had to do an internship. By sheer give, you know, connection, I was able to do an internship at this huge law firm where my dad knew one of the partners and what a gift it was because instead of being the intern that filed, he just said, "I think you need to know exactly what being a lawyer is like. So you're just going to hang out with me. So I spent like six weeks sitting in his office, like in the corner in meetings. And I remember about like the third week being in my dorm room and going, I will be the most miserable human wow. alive. Wow. Like I am not cut out for this. Wow. Being a lawyer is like, there's like a lot of sadness and hurt. And like, I had this idea that being a lawyer, it came from like a TV show and you know, I'm a thousand percent a people person and I want like constant interaction. I could never sit in a room and be like with books just researching all day. And this guy's like in the room, like researching. I'm like, I cannot do this. And I remember thinking to myself, I already paid the deposit at law school. I, I spent all this money getting ready for the LSAT. Everybody's expecting me to go to law school. And, um, I was graduating like three weeks later and I remember when my parents came to the graduation, um, I was like, you know what? I, I just, I don't think I'm supposed to be a lawyer. 
And my mom was like, well, yeah, I mean, we kind of knew that. And I'm like, why was everyone always telling me you're supposed to be a lawyer? You know, and she's like, well, we wanted you to want to be in the ministry, not to feel like you were forced or pressured like all the other preacher kids. And I'm like, okay, but I think it's such a classic example of like, I mean, I remember looking back and going, where did I get this idea that I wanted to be a lawyer? Well, the reality is, is that teachers told me that. People told me like that you're so smart and you speak well, so you should be a lawyer. And it's like somewhere I just went, I guess I should be a lawyer. Um, The reality is, is if you know me well, then you would know that I could never be a lawyer. I would be a horrible lawyer. But, um, you know, I I had to get to know me. I mean, I had to really like discover who I was what comes natural to me? I mean, I think that is one of the most freeing things in life is when you really start to look at yourself and it takes work. It takes time to figure out what comes natural to me. There's a reason something comes natural to you. And I don't think we give it enough power or credit in life. It's like something comes natural to you because God gifted you in it because it's directly connected to your purpose and who God made you to be. So if I look around and, you know, like obviously the websites didn't come natural to me. I was like, hello. (laughs) Um, You know, this is definitely not speaking my language. Um, So, you know, if, if you're pursuing something, it doesn't mean that your purpose doesn't require hard work because it does require hard work and discipline, right, to get good at something. But there will be a natural inclination, a natural desire, a natural draw towards something. But you have to own that space of saying, I'm going to shut out all the external voices. And in this generation, I think it's even greater because you have the external voices of social media, of yeah influencers of all kinds of stuff, right? Weird expectations of what life is supposed to look like, of what significance or success is. And so you have to shut all of that out and just get authentically honest with yourself and just say, you know what, wait a second. Like, (laughs) I'm going to go all the way back to the you that God created you to be or to the me that God created me to be. But who is that person, right? And the great, great peace or security in this process is this, that we do this and we can face the authentic version of ourselves from this perspective, knowing that before God even formed or shaped us or put us in our mother's womb, he had written a purpose for us. He had a plan for us. So it's like he he says, you know, like I'm going to create crews and he's going to do X, Y, and Z. And now I'm going to put everything inside of him to go and do the X, Y, and Z, right? So there should never be a fear in facing who I authentically am. There should be a peace in discovering who I authentically am. Because if I can discover that, then I'm fast-tracked on this, on this process of getting to the real purpose that God created me yeah. for because I think so many times and I hope I'm not talking too no, much will you please keep talking I think good, yeah. I, I think so many times like we could work so hard in life and achieve so much success but it's not the right success it's not the success that God intended us to achieve sure. right and that's where you meet really successful people who are unhappy dissatisfied you know, yeah. and, and it, they just aren't living in that place of, of joy or victory or whatever you want to call it. Oh. And the reason is, is because success is there in a lot of ways. But 
the real simple way of understanding this is, is that God has a certain success for each certain individual, wow. right? And it's a unique success. It's a picture of accomplishment that is only for you. And so to get to that place, that's the future that we read about in the Bible, Absolutely. right? My future is different than your future. So yeah. God has a personalized future for me. And to get there, then I have to look inside. I've got to have this honest conversation and say, who am I? authentically, who did God create me to be? And then I've got to start developing that and allow my gift to take me to my future that God has for me. I love that so much. I love this statement. There's so much gold in this conversation. Um, To be authentically honest with yourself. Um, I read a book this year um, called Circle Maker, uh, Mark Batterson. And um, it's a book on prayer. But one of the things that that I drew was his, his definition of success. And he said over the years as he's gotten older, um, his definition of success has changed drastically. Um, when he was in his 20s and his 30s, it was all about accomplishing. It was all about what what he did. That's where he found, found value and worth and success. Um, but now as as a little more maturity in his life and having lived a little bit more, his his definition of success is, is really cool. He says, um, I measure success in this, that the, the ones who know me best respect me most, right? And I bring that up because I think that there's something so key to being authentically honest with yourself. No one's going to know you better than you, right? And what if success is that, what what if success is really truly found in that you knowing yourself best? And because of everything you know about yourself, you respect you respect yourself the most. And I think that the decisions you're making in your 20s, right? Sh- Absolutely. Yeah. Like, like, like pursue the accolade and pursue the accomplishment. There's nothing wrong with that, but don't lose your respect for yourself in the pursuit of quote unquote success. Right. I, I, I love that. I love how simple you put it. Um, in, in knowing myself and being honest with myself and saying, um, do I like, do I even like this? Mm-hmm. I, that I, I honestly, I think that is going to be a pivotal moment for so many people listening to this. And I think it's important to say, especially to, the people that are listening. God asks you to do a lot of things you don't like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I right? agree. I agree. But the things we don't like should be connected to producing the thing that we do Come like. Come on, Shannon. Right? And so I do a lot of things I don't like, um, you know, but but they are connected to the thing that I really yeah. do like, yeah. the space that I'm liking. I, I mean... To me, it's even just as simple as I look back at being 20 years old and I think, you know, um, I I had a lot of friends that I had nothing in common with and that's okay. (laughs) I mean, I have a lot of friends now that I have nothing in common with, but some of those friendships went beyond just not having something in common with and they went into a space that helped to take me further away from who I actually was. Wow. And so looking back, it's like, I wish I had just had this understanding of like, hey, you know what? Like, you don't really need to be in my inner circle. Mm. Like, I like you. We could go to dinner. We could hang out sometime. But like, I, I don't need to put that much energy into this. I need energy in these relationships that really make space wow. for me to be me. And wow. instead of... Um, you know, creating boundaries or expectations or pressures or whatever you want to call it to be something that I'm not. Wow. 
Um, and and I you know I think that that's that's another thing about when you get to this place of just knowing who you are, then you begin to learn who God actually made you to be, which gives you perspective of the future that he's taking you to. So then you can kind of look at everything in your life and go, wait a second, does this really add to that? Is this person even connected to that? Is this, you know, so it it just creates like a lot of freedom, right? And it comes right back to, because we were talking about being insecure, which maybe we've gotten a little off track, I don't know, but it comes right back to, and I read you this statement that I typed on my phone earlier, but, um, you know, who we are, who our identity is, is not based on what we possess or what we can do. It's based on who possesses us and what he can do in us and through us, right? So it goes back to that, like, okay, wait a second. Like, (laughs) if, if my identity and my security in life is all wrapped up in accomplishment, is all wrapped up in what I own and what I achieve Mm. and all of this, then I can have all of those things and still have this void or this emptiness. When I really understand that all of that really should be based in and connected to who possesses me, then it then gives me, because it's one thing to learn who God made you to be. It's another thing to get confident and be okay. Absolutely. In who God made you to be, right? Absolutely. I think we know, we all probably know people or have gone through a season in our life where we went, wait a second, I know that this is not who I am or what I like or what I want to do. Um, but we don't have the confidence or the strength yeah. to own that. Yeah. To yeah. own who it's God major. made us to be. It's major. So when we really just simplify it down to, it's not about what I possess. It's not about who I'm connected to. It's not about how I'm perceived. It's not about what I accomplish. It's not really everything that matters comes from this position that he possesses me. I'm connected to him. He created me. Then it gives me then kind of like the backing or the security or the peace to begin to own like this sense of who I am. Because then I go, wait a second. I really sense that God, God made me in this way, but that's not that's not what's successful out there. That's not what right. people are liking. That's right. not what they're responding to. So then I push it to the side, right? But when I really just go, wait a second, if that's who God made me to be, then I need to own this. Yeah. And regardless, I'm not going to be influenced by that. I'm just going to own this. Yeah. And I'm going to trust that he's going to take me to where I need to be. Then that gives me the strength to feel the security in who he made me to be. And it's all connected. It's just like a giant circle, yeah. right? To walk through those feelings of insecurity. That's beautiful. I think I think that there's such power in in that authenticity, yeah. right? And that and that commitment to be truly what God made made us to be. Absolutely. Right. Um one of one of the things that I love about you, Shannon, and we'll I think, you know, we can land the plane on the conversation with this, is um you're you're a very you're a very honest person. Right. Like you are you you in as a communicator, as a leader and just as an individual. Right. There's there's this incredible honesty and openness to you. Um, But it never feels like it's a a an insecurity. Right. It comes from it really comes across as an authority. It comes across as an authenticity. Right. Um, And if you know, if 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 I have my wits about me, I, I, I 
And if it's anything like my experience, I think that's taken some time and it's taken some stories and it's taken some chapters and some, some bumps in the road and some little kinks in the armor every, every now and again, right. To, to arrive at that place. Um, but one of the hearts that we have, something that's in our heart for prime culture is that, you know, as their leaders, you know, um, you as their pastor is that we help them get further faster than we did. Right. Um, what, what can a 22, 24 year old do today that will help them, that will help them get further faster in living an honest, authentic life, but walking in that dominion, that authority, that confidence. Um, you know, you, uh, you, you told me you were going to ask me this Mm -hmm. earlier and, um, I started thinking about something and, and I actually talked about it a little bit this morning in chapel about the power of confessing the word of God. Um, but I draw the direct connection to overcoming insecurity because to be honest with you, I have overcome mountains of insecurity in my life. Um, there have been real, real struggles in a lot of areas in my own life that I've had to overcome. Um, and I, really want to thank you for saying that you perceive me in that way because it's something that means a lot to me because I look back at a lot of preachers that I grew up under and I think like could you have just been honest about that because like I beat myself up 100 like a thousand percent like why am I like having this internal struggle um I think the good news is is that I was in the back rooms with a lot of preachers so I heard stories that gave me perspective, like, oh, you know what, they are, they have had that struggle, or they are, and so it helped me along the way. Um, I hope that people see in me that this walk with God hasn't been perfect for me, right? Like, it's it's a commitment, it's a challenge, um, and and it's something that, you know, I think we all have to work at, right, to really live the best that we can, but. I think that if I could do tell people the best way to deal with insecurity is that, number one, you have to have this basic understanding that everything that you need to live a good life, a victorious life, a life of overcoming, the very life that every person wants, Christian or not, okay? Because let's on. be honest, 100%. like... yeah. Yeah. These are not right. things that only Christians want. Now, right. the picture of what it looks like might look a little different, but every person wants peace. Well, and if you don't, then you're <laughs> you know, you're lying to yourself. Every person wants financial success, every person wants a good marriage, every person wants good friendships. We all want these common things, right? So to get to understand at the fundamental core that 1,000% Jesus paid the price on the cross for you to have all of that. It's not something that is in process. It's something that was done. So good. And I think so many Christians have this weird perspective. And this weird perspective really um, shortchanges our lives from experiencing everything that God has for us because we live from this perspective of I'm hoping or I'm asking, or I'm, but the reality is Jesus took care of it all. Your victory, your peace, your good relationship, your success, your everything, it's done. It's completed. And so it's important that we understand that perspective. And then we come to this place of what you said, dominion and authority. So that's the great missing link, right? So if Jesus did all of it, then I then 
by faith and through grace have access to all of it and I have to seize it, right? I have to cause it somehow to manifest in my own life, Mm -hmm. right? To go from a simple belief or a hope to my reality. And so the way that I do that is by owning my God-given dominion and authority. And and we don't have time to go into all of that, but the Bible clearly says in Genesis that God gave you dominion and authority over your life. What that means is that you have the power to access everything that Jesus did for you on the cross by faith, through grace, and to cause it to manifest in your life. And one of the greatest ways that we do that is through our language, through mm. our words, through what we say. And I think that immaturity in young people causes so much, for lack of a better word, destruction, death, negativity, all of that to exist. So we could like love God with all of our heart and be living in total misery and crap. You know, I mean, it's just emotional, you know, nonsense. And the reason is, is because although I love God and I even believe that he wants me to have all these things through my mouth, I continue to live in emotional chaos in all this other stuff because all I speak is everything that is going wrong. And so um, it comes down to just this very simple concept. The Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. So I have a choice of what I'm going to speak. It doesn't mean I deny the feelings. It doesn't mean I deny the emotions. It doesn't mean I deny the reality. But I have a choice of what I'm going to talk about and what I'm going to give life to, right? So if death and life... Think about the power of those two words, right? So sometimes we quote scripture, but we don't like think about the magnitude of the words that God specifically chose to use. He didn't say like your life could get better or worse depending on what you said. He said death and life are in the power of what you say. So I think, (laughs) you know, if I could say one thing to, to, to young people, about dealing with insecurity is you deal with insecurity, you overcome insecurity by not speaking about your insecurity, and that's not enough. It can't just be that you don't talk about it, but then we have to take it the step further. We gotta speak the very opposite, right? So I tell people all the time, like when I was a little kid, my mom used to say, when you had a tough decision, let's make like a pros and cons list, right? So on one side you would put the pro and on one side you would put the con, right? So I think it's the same thing. It's like, if I'm insecure about, you know, my intelligence or my ability to do something, then, you know, on I recognize that that's the insecurity. So then I go to the Bible, um, you know, I use Google or whatever. What does the Bible say about, you know, my ability to be smart? And then it pulls up all these different verses, whichever ones resonate with me, then I make a list and um, I begin to confess that over myself. I just start to say those things. And the more I say it, then the more my begin to believe it. Because the second verse that is connected to this is that the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. But the literal text says it comes by hearing and hearing the spoken word of God. Mm. So the more I speak it, there's a law of faith and motion where my faith is forced to respond to whatever I say. It's not dependent on my ability. Cause I know a lot of people go, wait a second, like I'm trying to believe, but I can't believe. Well, the way you get to where you can believe is through speaking the, the word, word because Come there's on. a law of faith that regardless of your emotion, regardless of what it looks like, how you feel, if you will just do the simple act of opening your mouth and giving life to what the word says, your faith is forced to respond to it. And as it responds, 
then, you know, we get to the place where we speak to the mountain and it actually moves. And that's all insecurity is. Insecurity is just an area in your life where you have been deceived. Bottom line. Bottom line. It's something in your life. It's not real. It's a deception. And so we have to bring truth. The Bible says that when we know the truth, that the truth sets us free. So to whatever area I'm insecure in, then I need to bring truth to that area. Then I have to take it the step further to convince myself of the truth. I have to give life to the truth by speaking the truth. And the more I give life to it, the more my faith responds to it. And when my faith responds to it, then the lie or the deception begins to die. And then I begin to actually manifest the reality of the truth or manifest God's promise in my life. Brilliant. This is so good. Looking to Jesus, fascinating to Jesus. Wow. Pastor Shannon, this was phenomenal. Thank you. Seriously. Thanks for this having is me. So much I hope gold. I get to come back. Absolutely. Oh, 100%. Because <laughs> I keep putting myself in the body of a, like a 23-year-old driving to UTEP, working at Wingstop or something, and just miserable, right? Yeah, because they're fastened to the immediate and not the future. Yeah. You know? And, and again, and you know, before we go, it's all connected, right? Because at the same time that I'm speaking to my insecurity, I'm speaking to my future. So if I'm speaking life to my insecurity, I'm speaking to my future. Come on. So um, that's why this principle yeah. is so it's massive, powerful. Massive. Because if I'm in my car and I'm constantly speaking, I'm on my phone, I'm texting, I'm doing whatever. You know what? Um, I hate my job. I can't believe I'm doing this. When am I ever going to? All I'm giving life to is my immediate. I'm not giving life to my future. Um, and that immediate is going to be the death of who God created me to be. God, that's so I have to give powerful. life to what I believe is in my future. And, and I'll say this one last thing before we go. It is a thousand percent okay to be 20 something years old and not have a clue what your future is supposed to be. And I think it's important to know that. But what you can have a clue about is this. God has a future for you. It's a good future. God has gifted you and talented you to manifest that future. So I can begin to give life to Father, I thank you that you are revealing to me the giftings and the talents that you have put inside of me, that you are beginning to align divine opportunities and connections and clear moments of clarity for me where I can begin to discover where it is that you're taking me, right? So that I can live in this constant place of growth and peace because I'm satisfied and I know that I'm walking down this path that is the life that God called me to live. Pastor Shannon, thank you so much. We're so grateful. This is absolutely life-changing. Um, I, I think our 20 somethings are going to be blessed by it. I'm 40 something and I'm, I'm, it's blessing me so much, you know, and, um, to all the culture that's listening right now, you, you cannot zoom past this. Literally take this, unpack it piece by piece. If you're at the gym, if you can have your AirPods while you're, you know, doing homework, um, however you digest it, make sure you chew on this because this is life changing truth. For me, some of the major takeaways. Number one, fasten your heart to the future. My gosh, do not fasten your heart to the immediate. The, 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 what you can see right now is temporary. What you cannot see is eternal. Um, fasten your heart 
and your faith to the things that you cannot see. As you do that, be authentically honest with yourself about you, about who you are. But I love that pastor put this in. But also be authentically honest about who God is, what he's promised you, and how his truths are greater than the facts of your life at 22 years old. Um, Hebrews says it this way, looking to Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our race. We run our race right now with endurance. That's how we stay in the race. That's how we join the resistance. That's how we live with more fight left, because we look to Jesus, who already is undisputed the champion. And so you guys listen, there is no need ever to live in insecurity ever again. When you're living fastened to the future, to the truth of God and the honesty about who God is and what he's done for you, that is all the security we need. So we love you guys. Hope you have an incredible, incredible, whatever day it is that you're listening to and whatever it is that you're up to in your life, we hope that you're doing absolutely amazing, living the most active, thriving, satisfying season of your life. That's the prime life. We will catch you guys again on the next episode of the Prime Culture Podcast. We'll see you next week. Love y'all. And tell them, be the culture.